Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. This is BRN Weekly for Saturday, December 16th, 2023. And our top story today is a soft landing in sight for the U.S. stock market. Joining me now to break it all down, Jane King is a financial journalist joining us from the NASDAQ. Jane, welcome back to the program. Great to see you this morning. Thanks. Good to be back, Jeffrey. It's and uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on, a lot of a lot of positivity. Um, Jane, I want to posit to you, uh, based on everything that you know and what you've seen, and we're recording this on a Friday morning because we don't bother Jane on the weekends. She deserves her time off. Is a soft landing in sight for the U.S. stock market? That's my question to you. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, it certainly looks like it. I mean, I've heard more talk this week how the Fed has been able to orchestrate this soft landing. And, um, you know, it's the maestro. It brings back memories of Greenspan, what yeah. Fed Powell has been able to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, we saw interest rates drop and um, the market soar. And so it looks good so far. But I've been around the market enough to know that things can change pretty quickly, too. Yeah, and they can change pretty quickly. I mean, the, we saw this uh, during COVID. We saw this the, during the Ukraine-Russia conflict war, whatever you want to call it, disruption in the supply chain. So, um, and I'm reminded of the Grateful Dead. I'm a big deadhead. Uh, when life looks like easy street, there is danger at your door, right? That is from Uncle John's band. Uh, but Jane, this week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is not the benchmark for every every type of investment, but hit 37,000, which is a new high. Brand new record high. So hit highs uh, two days in a row. Um, the S&P 500 is pretty close, less than 2% away. Um, so, but we are seeing interest rates. You know, one the thing that drove this was the Federal Reserve's decision um, to not just leave interest rates alone, but Chairman Powell talking about three cuts next year. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he said that and verbalized it was kind of shocking because um, usually I would have imagined him to be kind of vague. Well, we may look at interest rate cuts and, you know, and just kind of talk around it to be so specific is unusual. Um, but it's Friday morning and we're hearing uh, John Williams, a New York Fed governor, saying, oh, interest rate cuts aren't the main focus. And we're still, you know, looking at that 2% target. So we have a different kind of look this morning than we did. So it's amazing how much power these Fed governors and interest rates have on the overall economy and the stock market in particular. Yeah, I, I, you know, this, the Federal Reserve was created in 1913 um, and uh, they've been in charge of monetary policy. And, I, you know, they, they had their different governors and then there's the Fed chairman, I guess, is appointed by the president. Um, you know, I'm a little off on my, uh, my government governance, but uh, it, there can be differences of opinion, I'm sure, in the room. But, but it looks like the market, it, it basically Powell, Jay Powell fed the market exactly what it wanted. And, and now it's got baked in that there's going to be three. I mean, he said it. there's going to be three rate cuts. So they baked that in already. So maybe Dow, Dow Jones Industrial Average 40,000 by January 1st. I think he gave the market more than what it wanted. Um, yeah. Nobody expected him to be so specific and to say three. Like how like I don't even get how can you possibly say that? Like, how do you know what's going to be happening with the economy and inflation? And I mean, you know, it was just really unusual to be so specific. But if, in fact, that does happen, I would say Dow 40,000 uh, certainly is a possibility. Yeah. I mean, we're not. And by the way, this is not a prognostication. It's not any advice to anyone out there. Jane, I want to ask you about the Magnificent Seven. You're standing in front of the NASDAQ, or not outside the NASDAQ, but you're in front of the NASDAQ. The big board, we can see it behind you. 
How did the Magnificent Seven, are they still magnificent? Yeah, well, so far this year, but as you know, typically things that do well one year don't do well the year after. I mean, I've just seen it happen year over year. Last year, for example, so 2022, energy, best performing sector. This year, kind of meh. Um, so just given historical standards, I wouldn't expect the tech sector to be as strong next year. And it's crazy to say that. I mean, AI is the hot yep. thing and NVIDIA is a great stock and virtual reality and all this new technology. But um, that just is historically what you see. It's hard to imagine what could lead to that, but it does happen year after year. So I would look for some sector that didn't do so well this year to be the standout next year. Yeah, uh, a great movie, The Magnificent Seven. I like the original. And which stock, Jane, would be Yul Brenner's character? <laughs> Facebook. Okay. Meta, Meta, sorry. You know, now we're really, I'm really dating us because I remember Yul Brynner, he, great actor, unfortunately passed away very young. The King and I, Magnificent Seven, he was just, uh, uh, f uh, what's it, not uh, Future World, but the one that, uh, anyway, he played a robot. Anyway, he's a great actor. Jane, anyway, forgive my craziness, but it's always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward Thanks. to having you back on the program again okay. very soon. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Jane. We come back, we'll take a look at some of our best segments for the week. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN Weekly. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. It was another great week of great shows, great topics, of course, great guests. We kicked off the week with a look at factors families should consider in 2023 when getting their finances in order. Let's take a look. It's a good time to take stock, uh, you know, before the first of the year. So to do that year-end tax planning, make sure that you've maximized all of your deductions, all of your contributions to things, contributions to education and retirement savings accounts and ABLE savings accounts made by the end of the year may qualify for tax deductions or credits. So you want to make sure you take advantage of that um, and you get a 
uh, benefit to your families. Um, you want to maximize employer matches sometimes, whether that's gifting, um, you know, to, to charities that you care about, but also to your retirement savings. Um, at Virginia 529, we do a match for a 529 accounts. And so if you um, make your contribution by the end of December, then you'll get your match for 2023. So you want to, again, take advantage, maximize, don't leave any money on the table. Um, you just have more compounding growth opportunities. The sooner you get started, the, the more likely you're going to be to, to meet those financial goals. And it just sort of sets the tone for the new year. And it gives you peace of mind for the new year as well. So you can start off, you know, that, that doesn't have to be your um, first New Year's resolution. You can take care of taking care of your financial uh, well-being in 2023. Get, get Take that out of the equation and then worry about getting into shape um, after the first of the year or something like that. Uh, you know, that's why it is a good time of year. It's It can be an expensive time of year for people. You're thinking, oh, I'm buying gifts for people. I'm doing that type of thing. Um, but you want to make a gift to yourself as well. So, right, if you get that bonus, um, putting a little bit extra into your accounts. And of course, for, for 529 and ABLE accounts in particular, um, they're really nice gifts. So you can think about, okay, if I'm going to give a gift to family members, to my children, to my grandchildren, nieces and nephews, helping them if you know that they are planning or if you think maybe they should start planning and saving for education expenses or they have you know, a child with a disability or an adult with a disability and has an ABLE account, you know, helping others with those goals is um, a really great gifting opportunity. And most programs, most platforms have really nice gifting options now to make it easy for people to, to give a gift of a 529 contribution or an ABLE contribution. And that's why, again, we've been saying for years, just get started. And whether that's retirement savings, education savings, whatever it is, a little bit, the earlier you start, it's meaningful, it, it matters, it adds up over time. If you make recurring contributions, you know, so I, I think December is a good time to think about, okay, well, maybe I don't have um, a lot of discretionary income in December because I am doing all the holiday things, but I can set up my accounts for recurring contribution, um, particularly in this five to nine account. So I'm gonna put $100 a month in and it's gonna come out of my checking account before I ever even see it. You know, I know the dates that my paycheck gets put in. And so I'm gonna take a little bit of money and put that into my five to nine account and set it to start in January if you want. You, you know, I mean, just get it taken care of. And that way all year, you're taking a little bit of that money. So if you know you've gotten a raise at the end of the year or some bonus money, take some of that, get it set up and have it come in. Retirement savings is huge. You know, one thing I'll throw out, it maybe doesn't fit quite into this, but for, for folks who have um, 529 accounts in particular, something that will take effect January 1. So to start thinking about, talk to your financial advisor in particular, if you have had a 529 account for at least 15 years already, you have some money, you think it's stuck in it, you, your child is through with college and there's a little bit of money left over, there is an opportunity now to um, to transfer money left in a 529 account into a Roth IRA for your beneficiary. And I think that's gonna be a really terrific way to jumpstart savings for new grads, for, for, you know, for, for some young people who are new, to um, to the workforce who maybe don't start saving for retirement soon enough or with enough money, 
this opportunity to roll money from a 529 account into a Roth IRA is going to be um, just a nice little boost uh, to the retirement savings for some young people. And finally, most parents are unaware of how their children are doing at the grade level. Let's take a look. You know, the report card is critically important. So I don't want to take away from all of the components that make up a report card. So it measures, you know, um, your effort, your ability to show up in class, to ask good questions, to be a good peer, to problem solve, to even, you know, turn your assignments in with your name on it. I don't know, my, my younger son had a difficult time remembering to put his name on his piece of paper and getting credit for it. So it is a reflection of a lot of really important measures. But what is the challenge is that we see um, parents don't, parents equal, I mean, equate that grade to grade level mastery. And so imagine you have a fourth grader who's getting an A or a B uh, in reading and 80% of parents basically say that their children get all Bs or above. And that is of, you know, uh, the, our Gallup Learning Heroes poll data from just a few weeks ago. But to a parent, that means that fourth grader is reading at a fourth grade level because clearly they're getting an A or a B. But that's not what that means. That fourth grader could be reading at a second grade level, but doing really well at the second grade level that they're at. So they're they're doing they're turning in their assignments again the quizzes they're taking based on that second grade level, they're, they're doing well, they're mastering that, but it's not fourth grade level reading. And so that is the, that's the communications breakdown. Uh, teachers are not communicating to families where necessarily where that child is. And so our call to action for, for parents in particular is just ask your teacher, first and foremost, is my child reading on their grade level? And if not, let's make a plan to do something about that. Um, so to not throw away the B, but we need to unpack the B and let parents know that there's more to a grade than grade level mastery. And often the report card masks what's really happening in terms of that grade level mastery. So actually, and again, in our recent poll with Gallup, 86% of parents said that they're attending their parent-teacher conferences, which is a which is a, a dramatic increase um, in participation based on our previous data. So we've been conducting annual national surveys of, of families since 2016. And just a few years ago, um, it was about 50% of parents who said that they were taking advantage of the parent-teacher conferences. So we saw a, a, a really wonderful increase and that level of participation. But there are a couple of challenges baked into that setting um, that need to be confronted. So one, they're typically really short, right? So you're trying to squeeze a lot of information into a very short period of time. And imagine you're a Spanish-speaking family or a, a family who speaks another language. You have to wait for a translator to join that conversation. So in many cases, families are waiting two to three hours to take, get their turn to be able to spend the 15, 10 to 15 minutes with that teacher and that translator, not super practical. So a lot of families um, don't have access to even that, um, that communication because it's just, it's just, it's too hard to make, make it happen. Um, and we also know that because it's such a short period of time and teachers, there isn't an expectation that teachers need to tell families necessarily 
that their child, at what grade level their child is, is performing on. So a lot of time what happens is teachers focus on a lot of these other important pieces. You know, um, yep, they're asking good questions. They are a good friend. And again, these are important, but parents deserve to know and should know where their child is um, in terms of their grade level mastery. But a lot of times teachers are not expected to, to share that information with families. They're not trained to share that information with families. Um, and because of the time constraints, don't often have time to, to share that with families. So again, we're asking parents to ask the question, um, put that at the top of the list. And we're asking school leaders and district leaders to give teachers the time, the training, the tools, the ongoing communication strategies so that it's not just a one and done parent-teacher conference. And that's like the only way that, that teachers and parents can team up. There needs to be more consistency, more predictability um, in those communications. So, so there are companies, organizations, nonprofits and for-profits like Remind, Talking Points. There's several ways that um, that are texting platforms where teachers can um, put in a text to, to families and then it gets translated into the, the language, the family's language. Um, so there are lots of really cool ways that, that that's starting to happen. AI can help out a lot as well. Um, but you can't replace that relationship. So, you know, first and foremost, we're all humans. We're all relational. So at the beginning of the year, we, we found the, the, the schools that do this really well, they prioritize that relationship. So getting to know the teacher, getting to know the family, getting to know the child, and, and what's happening in that home environment is so critical. So again, at the very beginning of the year, you know, we have a website called BeALearningHero.org with, uh, with free tools in English and Spanish for families to access, to be able to help navigate schools on behalf of their children. One of the tools we have is a Dear Teacher letter. So if you think about Mad Libs, right? Remember Mad Libs? Yeah, I love Mad Libs. I so love fun. Mad Libs, exactly. So it's like a Mad Libs letter where you can just fill in the blank. So dear, whatever teacher your teacher's name is, this is my family's, this is what we love to do. This is how we spend our free time. This is where my family comes from. This is what my child loves to do. This is really what my child hates to do. This is where they struggle. So the teacher is getting a picture of who that child is and where they come from so that the teacher can better meet the needs in the classroom. And many teachers are good about, you know, sharing their own personal history and stories with families, but making those phone calls at the beginning of the year. So the first time a family's hearing from the teacher isn't bad news. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's good news and it's an it's an introduction, it's a relationship. And the schools that do that well, they see incredible outcomes uh, for students and, and for teachers and for schools overall. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Weekly. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, then visit our website, we're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRN Sunday. I'll be joined by the Legal Eagles, David Levine, Kevin Walsh, to help break down events on Capitol Hill. And then Oliver Rennick of the Schwab Network will be joining us to break things down in markets. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.
Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.